Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Um, I'm just going to go right into the message today because um, I, I feel like this series, we're in a series called Promises. If you're a first-time guest, I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor. But something's been happening in our culture over the last, I guess, I don't know, five, eight, maybe 10 years even. And it's something that's a phenomenon. And I see it as very dangerous. And if we don't kind of nip it in the bud, we're going to have some real problems and struggles. And it's, it's something that most of us in this room probably have heard or at least know about. It's called the cancer culture. Uh, how many people have heard that? Cancel culture? They've heard that terminology. And it, it's almost like it gets to the point now you, you just expect to wake up and somebody else got canceled. Like whether it was an athlete that got canceled or if it was a, you know, an actress or an actor or a, you know, a newscaster, somebody, they get, you just wake up expecting that person to be fired and, and, and all the, you know, the, the stuff that goes with that. And I was actually reading an article in, in a newspaper, or not a newspaper, but an online newspaper, I guess you'd call it. And it was about a, a person that worked at Apple. And they worked at Apple for 25 years. And they quoted a, a, a movie, a line from a movie that's probably 30 or 40 years old. And they quoted the line, and somebody overheard it and took it out of context. And this guy that's been working this place for 20 or 25 years because of this one comment, got fired, lost all his pension, lost everything. Now there's a lawsuit against him. He just canceled that fast. And I'm thinking, man, we, we live in a really, really, really weird world. And if we don't, if we don't somehow or another take a stand uh, against that kind of stuff, we're, we're going to really be the recipients of a lot of really bad stuff in the future. But here's what I decided to do. I came up with my own things that I'm going to cancel. You ready? Y'all good? My email is bobbysmith at journeycommunity.net. If you are offended by these, I will cancel you. <laughs> Number one, if you talk during a movie that I've paid $80 to go see, and that's just the ticket, that's not counting the popcorn, you're canceled. Who's with me on that? Perfect. If you buy fake candy corn... That's the type with the chocolate at the bottom. That's not candy corn. That's nastiness. If you buy fake candy corn and try to pawn it off on me as real candy corn, you are canceled. This is a serious one. People that don't look at you or say thank you when you open a door up for them. Canceled. I'm done with them. I'm done. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I have decided this. I'm going to slam the door on them. Just shwap Oh, this is, this is really, so I started working out last week. Uh, you can tell, can't you? So, people that yell at the gym and they're like five pound dumbbells. You don't have to, you don't have to gut it all out and get all wild and crazy over a five pound. How about this? Trucks that you can't see over the roof. Somebody say amen to that. I thought that South Carolina and Georgia had kind of made them illegal, but I saw one the other day and the person almost slammed into the back of my truck because he can't see. He's about 3'3". Three, three. <laughs> Canceled. How about this? This one really got me. This is serious. Okay. I, I need a counseling appointment for this one. Exclusive coverage of football games on other channels. When I already pay $100 for DirecTV, and they're going to tell me to go to SCC Plus for one game or Apple. I demand my rights. <laughs> Canceled. Done with them. 
How about this? Anyone that's on their phone, talking in public, any public place, and think that they're more important than everything else that's going on, and make me look stupid by asking or answering a question that they're asking the person on the phone. You ever done that? No, sir, no, I'm not talking to you. Canceled. I'm done with them. I, I got a couple more. These are... Anywhere... Anywhere that makes me check out an item on my own without paying me at least minimum wage. Walmart, done with them. Publix, sorry dad, done with them. Pay me something. Give me a free something. I, I, I'll take a sub. I love a, a pub, give me something. But I am working, I am, so I went to, can I just, oh man, canceled. Yesterday I am at, yesterday I'm at a gas station, a Circle K gas station. And I go there, and this lady's looking at me. This is how she's looking at me. I'm like, hey, how you doing today? I'm, I'm generally pretty friendly. I know you don't think so, but I'm generally pretty friendly. So I'm like, hey, ma'am, how you doing? She goes, great. I said, would you like to check me up? She goes, nope. I, I, my filter was missing. I said, what are you getting paid to do? She said, to point over there at that machine that now checks you out on your own. I get, so I, I put my, and then, and then it was wrong. It had me for three bags of sunflower seeds, not two bags of sunflower seeds. And I went AWOL, canceled, I'm done. I'm never going back there. How about this one? This is for you specifically that have issues of like everything's gotta be perfect. Like you have to have 10 in a list or eight in a list. Just for you today, I'm only doing nine. I did nine of those, you're canceled if you have that struggle. How's that sound? Now seriously. It is an epidemic in our world. And it's nice that we can laugh about it, but I'm gonna be honest with you. If we're canceling people, we don't understand forgiveness. We don't understand the forgiveness that God's offered us. And so it's amazing to me how we can cancel people just that fast. And here, here's what I've learned in a short period of time because I've gotten canceled by several people. It's not that we have to be that far. It's not this huge chasm that we disagree. It could be the littlest of things. It could be this much, just a tad bit, that I disagree with somebody. Uh, somebody canceled me because a couple weeks ago I put a passive scripture up there. I'm a believer. I'm a pastor. Did you forget that? I'm going to put a passive scripture every once in a while. And so they canceled me. They said, I'm sorry, Mr. Bobby Smith. I am going to now not have you. I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've put up with all your crap for the last 30 years. You're going to cancel me over one passage of scripture? Canceled. And here's what bothers me most, most about this cancel culture is it's not so much that we call people out because I feel like it's okay to call people out. I think that some people need to be called out. We handle it right. We do the Matthew 18 principle. When somebody offends you, you go to that brother, Rich, you offended me. Can you tell me like, this is how it did? And if that person doesn't receive it, I take somebody else. I'll take Matt, Matt Harrison with me and we go back. And if that doesn't work, we kill him. I mean, I think it works fine. <laughs> it's a great plan, right? I think there's times where we have to call, but here's what, here's what I'm struggling with, and maybe some of you can help me. It's not so much that we're calling people to accountability, it's there's no room for redemption. There's never room for redemption. We, we will not allow anybody to come back into our, into our friends list or on our Facebook because you said X, Y, and Z. And here's the other thing that really, really bothers me. You could be canceled for something that you said yesterday. You could be canceled for something that you said last week. 
You could be canceled for something you said last month. You could be canceled for something you said last year. You could be canceled for something that you said last decade. Honestly, I've heard a story just recently about somebody that was going to a family reunion. They hadn't seen or been around their family for 30 plus years. They get there and right away, this guy walks in. He's probably a little bit younger than me, maybe late 40s, early, early 50s. And he walks in there and all of a sudden his mother starts yapping about all the things he did as a child. And the daughter, his daughter stands up and says, listen, that's all stuff underneath the bridge. Matter of fact, nobody in this room can, can, uh, can throw a stone because everybody else has their stuff. And I thought to myself, man, like, like, it doesn't make a difference how long ago. It could be a tweet. It could be an email. It could be anything. And we're canceling people. And I just don't feel like that's what people like us should be doing. And, and I thought, started thinking about this. Could you imagine if we canceled people from the Bible? Seriously, think about some of the, some of the stories in the Bible. The prodigal son, he's still in the pig pen because we canceled him. The, dad, the, the father said, nope, I don't want anything to do with you. Zacchaeus, he's been up in a tree for all these years. He's never had an opportunity to get down because we've canceled him. How about this? The prostitute, you know, the one that Jesus wiped the sand. She's dead. She got stoned because we canceled it. How about the woman at the well? We don't know how many more husbands she would have had afterwards. I mean, you can go right down the list. Peter is still casting nets. The keys of the kingdom that were given to him, nobody else is using, nobody's using. Saul, do you remember Saul? He was converted to Paul on the Damascus Road. Nope, the New Testament's not written because we canceled him. Church planning the way we do it, it's canceled. We don't, we, we, we don't even know who he is. Canceled. Thomas, drowned in his debt and his doubt. The thief on the cross, just hung there. John Mark, AWOL. There was never a restoration process. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. It's the halls of faith. Could you imagine if they were canceled? Noah, the drunk. Abraham, the liar. Moses, the murderer. Um, Rahab, the prostitute. Canceled, all of them. Like we wouldn't even have that book. All, human, all, all, all the humanity is hopeless, which is just the opposite of what Romans says. It's hopeless, canceled. Uh, he, he, meaning Jesus, he's neither faithful nor just, 1 John 1. He's neither one because we've canceled him. Uh, listen, he, he, he never died on the cross because we, we canceled him. And we're in this series called Promises. And I'm going to tell you, there's a promise in the Bible. And, and it's written um, from uh, the, the standpoint, Hebrews chapter 8, of the prophet Jeremiah that he prophesied. But, but I want everybody to hear this. When we're talking about this promise and these promises... This is the promise that God makes us. While, while people are out in the world are saying, you know, they're never gonna let you forget, they're gonna cancel you, whatever that looks like, God says, I love you. God says he cares about you. That God's a God of second chances and he remembers your sin no more. As a matter of fact, Jesus did cancel something. You know what he canceled? Our debt. He canceled our debt. And there's a cancellation worth kind of, kind of buying into right there. And so if we read the book of Hebrews in specifically chapter eight, verse eight, it talks about this, how he did this, this covenant, this promise that he made. And so I want you to turn to your Bible. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter eight. And we're just gonna read a little bit and then we're gonna kind of backfill it a little bit. Hebrews chapter eight says this, but when God found fault with his people, and he's talking about the nation of Israel, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit as we backfill it. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will take and make a new covenant with the people of Israel and of Judah. And it says, the covenant, this covenant, this covenant that's coming will not be like any other one that I made with the ancestors. When I took them, or it will not be like the one I made when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. 
But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God. And they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I love this last line. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Somebody say amen to that right there. He canceled them out. See, now there's some interesting verbiage in here that I think it's worthy of just kind of taking a few minutes. That word covenant isn't something we use every day in our language. But covenant is a rock solid, ironclad promise that God makes to us. And so we're talking about these promises. This is the ultimate of, of promises that God made. He says, I'm making a covenant. Many times in the Old Testament, covenants were, were done in blood. There would be a covenant and they would kill an animal or something. We have a new covenant, Jesus's blood, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The lamb of God's blood was covered and it covers and it makes that covenant what it is today, a promise. But the word covenant usually means a contract. And it usually means this, a contract is like this. Robbie, uh, you're a builder, right? And so you would say, I will do this amount of building for you if you pay me this amount of money, right? That's a contract. And if I don't give you that much money, you can sue me, you can take your work back. And if you don't do a good enough job, I can sue you for whatever it is that I paid you. Say I paid you uh, $50, I can sue you for that $50. That's a contract. The word covenant used in this passage of scripture is not a contract, it's a will. So it's like the last will and testament. Anybody ever done a last will and testament or a will? So you know what that is. And so it's one of those deals where like uh, Gina and myself did a will. And so we have all our earthly belongings here. And we said, okay, now who are we gonna give them to? And we decided Luna gets everything. Luna's our dog. We just feel like it's safer with Luna. Like she'll do a better job of controlling it. No, I'm just kidding you. But so uh, what, what that is, is it's a one-sided, it's not reciprocal and it can't change. So we write the will out and we say, okay, we're going to turn everything over to Jan and Matt. And this is what you're going to do with the money. You're going to be heirs, heirs to our state, or you're going to be, you know, executors to our state, whatever it's, 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 and it can't be changed. That's when the writer, Jeremiah, when Jeremiah is prophesying this and the writer of Hebrews is now extending this and kind of talking about it, that's what he's not using a contract where there's a reciprocal agreement that I'll do this, you do this. He's saying what's been done has already been done and there's nothing you can do to change it. And that, that's why the covenant is so important. There is nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness. There's nothing we can do. There's not a single thing we can do that God gets off the throne and says, well, you know something? I'm, like, I'm gonna change the rules for Robbie because you know something? You did a really, 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 really good deed. Um, how many people are familiar with the Old Testament covenant? So I'll give it. It's the Ten Commandments, and there's a bunch of other commandments in the book of Exodus, so there's not just ten. A lot of people just go, there's ten. There's hundreds. Like, you can't eat shellfish. You can't, you know, make, make clothing out of certain things. But, but, but th those Ten Commandments, you know, love God, right? Um, have no other gods before me. You know, don't, don't covet your neighbor's goat. Um, you know, whatever those things are. But here's the deal. How many people are able to keep all those Ten Commandments? No. You know why they were given? Because God knew we couldn't keep them. And eventually what was going to happen, that was the old covenant. It was pointing us to a new covenant that we had to have Jesus. And Jesus was the only one that can fulfill all those promises. So I grew up in a, and I'll say this, I grew up in a church culture. What it was, it was all about what I did. So I would say a certain amount of prayers. Uh, and if I tell you like the prayers, you would know exactly you know, what I grew up in. But like we, we would have this, this necklace that had a cross on it and we would have to do so many, they were called Hail, Hail Marys or Our Fathers or the Apostle Creed and we'd have to do so many. 
And then we would have to go and we'd have to kneel down and we'd have to light. And then we would have to go, our, our, the only way our, our sins were forgiven, we had to tell somebody else about them. We, we couldn't have a conversation. We were not allowed to go to God, which is really important in this, this new covenant, old covenant thing. So we would have to tell somebody else about it. And then somehow or another, you know, they had a, you know, this hotline with, with God and everything was taken care of right there. And, and the truth of the matter is in the, in, the, in the culture I grew up, like when you died, you didn't even go to heaven. Like you, you went to this, I don't know, like a halfway house kind of deal. I mean, I'm not, like, this is what I grew up with. I, I did a funeral yesterday, and, and I made a comment. Ro- Romans says this, Romans 8 says that, that this present suffering doesn't compare to the future glory. And, and I, said, I said, the moment, her, her name was Becky, sweet lady, first service. I said, when Becky's eyes shut and her heart stopped on this side of eternity, as a believer, I believe her eyes opened and her heart started beating on the other side of eternity. And I used John Preston, and I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. John Preston was a Puritan. He said, when he was asked about dying, he said, are you scared of dying? He said, no, I will change my place, but I'm not changing my company. I'm gonna be with the same person I've been with all of my life. And so we didn't get a chance to do that. So, it was, so this is how I sum up Old Testament covenant, New Testament covenant. It's really, really easy, okay? The Old Testament covenant is all about doing. It's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna to try to be a good person. When I'm not a good person, I'm gonna pay a penance. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna go overseas and be a missionary. I'm gonna do all these different things to show God how much I love him. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is done. Just the word done. Jesus did everything that could possibly ever been taken care of or needed to be taken care of. He did it on the cross. It's, he was the lamb of God, the Bible says, the lamb of God that washes away all the sins of the world. As a matter of fact, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. There's a passage in the book of Romans. When I was 17 years old, this was a pivotal passage for me because I've been kind of back and forth. I've been going with some friends to a, a church kind of like journey, but I was also still involved in our old church uh, culture. And I remember this passage and don't get bogged down in the new law and the old law and all that stuff. But Romans chapter seven really speaks loud and clear about this, this way that Jesus is talking about and exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. It says in verse five of Romans chapter seven, when we were controlled by our old nature, this is Paul speaking. And remember Paul says, listen, there's this sinful man inside of me that, that I, I want to do these things, but I don't end up doing them. There's things I don't want to do that I end up doing. And he's talking about this carnal sinful man. He's, he's referring to this, but, but the old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law. And it's interesting that he used that word. I mean, Jesus says something different. I'm going to go with what Jesus says in this, but Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. But somehow or another, we're released from this other stuff and we're in this new covenant with God. And it says, for we died to it and are no longer captive by its power. Now here's where it gets really good. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but the new way of living in the spirit. So a lot of us have been in cultures that this, this old way, we've, the old covenant, the, and what, 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 the apostle, what the apostle Paul is saying, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, what Jeremiah is saying, there's this new covenant that Jesus is coming to fulfill, and that's the only way we can have this right relationship that we don't get canceled by him, that we actually get, we get accepted by him. And I want us to understand this because it's really important that we understand this covenant that he's talking about has a couple different layers to it. And the first really important layer is this covenant is based on second chances. 
Like the covenant with Jesus is based on, where the other one is, is based on one time and you're done. And then you got to figure out how to do it again. And so Hebrews, if we go back to Hebrews, is when God found fault with his people, he said, the Old Testament, the old people, the nation of Israel that was constantly back and forth, back and forth. He said, the day is coming. He says, Lord, when I will make a new covenant, that that won't happen anymore. And the people of Israel and Judah says, this covenant will not be like the one made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back, says the Lord. So in spite of the back and forth, the back and forth, the Old Testament covenant, all they could do is one time a year, a priest would go into the most holy place and atone for the entire sins of the entire nation of Israel. One time a year. Now I'm gonna tell you what, that must have been a long meeting because I know my life. Like, like I'm, I'm there one time a day. Maybe, maybe twice if I'm driving on Washington Road or Furious Ferry when they only have one lane. Right? Y'all, you with me on this? And so it's one, like, so one time a year. See, what I've learned and when I'm learning, so a couple years ago, I, I spoke and I'm gonna talk about this. I talked, talked about Jonah. Remember what happened with Jonah? Jonah went, um, was called to Nineveh and he went to Tarshish. And then it says, you know, he got thrown over the side and it said that, that God came to Jonah a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Anybody remember? Anybody? See, God's a, God's a God of second chances. But do you, anybody, anybody know what a typewriter is? Raise your hand. You're also old if you know what a typewriter is. Just telling you. So I remember in high school, um, do they still do this typing class? So you young people, you, you don't have a clue. A typewriter was this thing that had keys and you had them pound them real hard and it was this ribbon. It, was, it had ink in it. And you know, I'd have to replace the ribbon every once in a while. So some of you go, like my wife is a professional, she's a court reporter. So she could while she's talking and while she's eating a biscuit. I mean, all that stuff, right? Me, she doesn't look at it. Hey, baby, how you doing? Did you have a good day? I'm like, shh. But years ago with a typewriter, there was this stuff called whiteout. Anybody remember whiteout? It was your best friend, wasn't it? So what, for those who don't know, what whiteout was something that you would actually take the ribbon off or pull it aside, and you would, have to, you would have to dob this liquid white stuff on there, streak it up. For me, it was more like a slather of stuff. But, and then you'd have to go. Anybody else remember this? And then you would put the, the keys back down, and you put the, the ribbon back up, and you can go, and it, it white it out. Now, the funny thing is, everybody knew how many mistakes you made, because you can see the bumps Mine look more like mountains, but the bumps in some of y'all's paper. And then they came out with this self-correcting, this, this self-correcting typewriter that would automatically do. And nowadays, like, thank you, Jesus, for red, red squiggly lines. Anybody know what a red squiggly line is? You spell something wrong. A blue one is you're grammatically incorrect. My whole sermon looks like blue squiggly lines. Like the whole, the whole thing. It's, it's amazing. And then, and then a lot of red in there too. But it's one of those deals where, but here's the deal. Don't you wish one day that somebody invented a self-correcting human. Yes. Baby, let's back up. I didn't mean to say that you're exactly like your mother. Or any other stupid comment that most of us have made in our lifetime. Okay, nobody? Nobody has ever said anything they wish they didn't say. But guess what? There's no such thing. 
There never will be. There'll there'll never be an invention of self-correcting human. And that's why we need to have a God of second chances. Because we need second chances. Because we're constantly making mistakes. We're constantly blowing it. I was was speaking that message on Jonah and a friend of mine walked up and said, okay, Pastor Bob, I just want to ask you a question. How many times can I sin then? If God's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances and seventh chances, how many times can I sin? And it was one of those moments where I I activated my filter because I wanted to throat punch him. There again, in Jesus' name, because that's what we do here. But I just said to him, I said, you know something, you know what I've learned in my life of being a believer? And I'm gonna tell you, the process is a long process. I don't know how long it takes. So far, I'm on 58 years of the process, okay? I have not figured it all out yet. But here's what I, here's what I have found out. It's not about sinning all I want because I don't wanna sin. It's, it's literally this, I sin more than I want. I don't wanna sin. I, I don't wanna break the connection with my heavenly father. And so it's not like I'm looking, like when you're kids, if you have kids, hey, mom, dad, is it okay for me to do this? They know the answer, right? That's why they're asking you. They're seeing if they're, maybe I'll catch them in a weak moment. Maybe they're in the middle of watching something or you know, flipping through TikTok or whatever. But it's one of those deals where if you have to ask, it's the same thing with us. If we have to ask, it's probably wrong. But while, and seriously, this like just real quick, this is what I've learned. The longer I've become a believer, I don't want to do those things, but I sin more than I want. I don't want to sin, but I sin more than I want. I don't want to do those things anymore, but I sin more than I want. That's the category a lot of us fall into. Let's peel it back a little bit more real quick. The new covenant is based on a personal relationship. I can't tell you how many times I actually have a friend of mine that came up to me a couple weeks ago and his father's um, struggling with his health and his dad's really worried about when he dies that nobody's gonna do his funeral and that, because he's not, he's not a member of a church. And, and I walked up to him afterwards and he said, here, I filled out my partnership paperwork. Does that mean that I'm a member of the church? And that means, can I have you do my funeral? I'm like, dude, I would have done your funeral regardless of the paperwork. He goes, well, I was always taught that, you know, the church is, I'm like, you were taught wrong. Now, doing the funeral was one thing, but he thought that, his salvation was found in the church he went to. And let me tell you something. I don't care if you went to Meemaw's church. I don't care if you come to Journey. I don't care, I don't care where you go. Your, your church affiliation is not what gets you right with Jesus. What gets you right with Jesus is bending a knee at the Holy Cross and saying that I have need for you, Jesus. And that's exactly what he's saying here. If you understand this, he's, verse 10, it says, but this is a new covenant. And he says, I will make with the people of Israel that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. He said, everything's deeply personal. It has nothing to do with church membership or teachers or certain pastors or only liking certain styles. It has everything to do with who we're connecting with. Now, here's what I've learned. I I used to have a a really difficult job years ago. I I was a landscaper. We used to have to work in really hot weather. If you're a construction worker, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hot, 110 degrees. Like, but we would be laying sod and all this other stuff. But we started getting into some really big jobs. And my boss was a really, really, really amazing, like, person of integrity. He comes to Journey, he comes to First Service. Um, But, like, it got to the point where he would send me out on the job with the crew. So I would have 10, 15, 20 guys on the crew. And I remember one time one of the guys walked up to me 
and he said, like, how are we going to do this? And I said, well, you know something? I'm not exactly sure how we're going to do this. Let's call, let's call the owner of the company and just ask him how we do it. Well, I couldn't get a hold of him. This is days before, you know, cell phones and we had pagers. Y'all remember pagers? So I paged him like a 911 and he didn't answer. And I, I paged him the other upside down one that was really more important and all that. But I said, this is how we're going to do it. And the guy said, I don't know. This good guy. Why do you think? I said, you know something? Here's the deal. He's a friend of mine and I know how he thinks and he never cuts corners. He would never do anything to cheat the client. He would actually rather lose money. And I know this is really weird in the world that we live in. He would rather lose money than do a halfway job. And I said, so this is what we're going to do. A couple hours later, the boss came over and the boss was like, this is perfect. This is exactly the way I would have done it. And you know what one of my, my guys said? How did you know that? You know how I knew that? He was my friend. Like we did life together. He was in my wedding. Like we, we were buddies and I knew how he thought and I knew he wouldn't cheat anybody. That's the same thing with God. He wants a personal relationship. And so when we start dealing with sin and all that stuff, it's not a matter of not knowing because we've had relationship with the heavenly father. We're, we're, in, we're, we're in communication. We're spending time in his word. We know exactly what he's expecting and know exactly what he's thinking. And verse 11, it says, he says, and they will not need to teach their neighbors. They will, they, they will not need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the, from the least to the greatest will know me already. And somebody first service said, oh, so does that mean we don't need teachers or pastors? I mean, no, no, no. You know what it's saying right there? We don't need a mediator. We, we still need teachers. We still need people to uncover the word of God. We still need preachers to preach the, the message of the gospel. But we don't need a media. I don't have to go to a man anymore. I can go straight to the Father. As a matter of fact, the way Hebrew says, I can go boldly to the Father. I can go right to him and visit with him. And the last thing today we'll talk about is this. As we peel it back a little bit, this new covenant, this new covenant that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, that Jeremiah preached about years and years and years before, this new covenant is based on a clean slate. Um, when my girls were small, they had this thing. I don't know if you remember this. It was called an Etch-a-Sketch. Anybody ever have those? And, you know, the kids would, it's a cat. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it looks nothing like a cat. Dad, it's a, it's a dollhouse. Looks like a dot, you know? But you know what's always amazing to me? That it didn't make a difference how big or eloquent or how big the marks were, how long the marks were. All you had to do was shake it. And what happened? And raced. I know this is simplistic, but that's what Jesus did with us. No matter how big the marks were or small the marks were, no matter how big issues we, we carry, no matter what the addictions look like, when we come to him, this new covenant, it does this. It shakes it. And he goes, okay, now you have a clean slate. Well, how many times? I don't know. I've had, I haven't used all mine up yet. And I hope I never do. But I, but I know that the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. That means I get up tomorrow and everything's brand new for me. And he shakes it again. And, and this is what he says in verse 12. And, and capture this in your minds for a second. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again, never again remember their sins. Somebody should, should say amen to that. Not only does he, he doesn't remind us of our sins either. And somebody said to me after first service, well, I have this voice in my head. You need to stop listening to that voice. That voice in your head is the enemy telling, telling you that you'll never do anything right, that you can't do anything right, that God doesn't love you and God's because the voice of God is seen throughout the scriptures. Psalms 1 and 3 says it like this. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That means he doesn't know them anymore. Isaiah chapter 38 
says something really important. You have put all my sins behind your back. He's not looking behind his back. He's seeing what's in your future. Micah 7, 19 says, you trample, you trample, I love this, you trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. And 1 John, this is how we do this. If you have ever wondered how we do this, it says this, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and clean us from all of our, 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 all of our wickedness, everything. Now listen, we live in a culture that can cancel us today or tomorrow. And I said this once and I'll say it again. If you're in the mindset that you can just keep canceling people, you don't understand forgiveness because that's not the God. God does this right here. I'm not saying that you allow people to trample over you. You may redefine that relationship. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm telling you, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You've never looked in the eyes of somebody that Jesus didn't die for. And he put us on this earth to tell people about Jesus and make him famous. And so, what I want us all to get today, the one that matters most is Jesus. He's the one that canceled our sins. Do me a favor for a second. Would you just bow your heads? A couple different prayers today. I don't know what you've come in with. Here's one of my prayers today. That there's people either watching online or sitting in one of our seats or maybe in our atrium, maybe down at our Sherwood campus. And you're going, Bobby, I didn't know any of that. Like all these years, I've tried to do it all on my own and Man, no wonder I keep failing. No wonder I'm, I'm miserable. No wonder I feel like there's this weight of the world on top of me. Let me tell you, if you come here like that today, have a conversation with the heavenly father today. He wants to talk with you. The Old Testament says that when we seek God with everything that's in us, he will be found. He will be found. That's a promise. Maybe you walked in this place and you're carrying a heavy debt. Man, it is bogging you down. That's not a debt that Jesus has put on you. That's not, that's not what Jesus is doing with you. That's not a load that you're even designed to carry. That's why he went to the cross to wash away all. He became the lamb of God that once and for all sacrifice that took away every single sin that we carry. So if that's you today, I'm just gonna tell you, have a conversation with the Father. Talk to him, ask him to take that, that heavy load, take that debt off you. Ask him to do the things that only he can do in your life. And let's cancel that out. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray. I don't know, I don't know where people are. I don't know everybody's story. I know mine, that I need to constantly be reminded that you're a God of second chances. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that somehow or another, I stumbled across that scripture in Romans about this new way. I'm, I'm humbled that as a teenager, somehow or another, you entered my room, but bigger than that, you entered my heart. And that night where I was confused, I knew there was a God, but I couldn't figure out how to find you. And that night, I didn't find you, you found me. And you washed away all my sins that night. You cast them as far as the east or from, from the west. You place them behind you. You trample them under your feet. And God, we're thankful for that. And God, I pray that there's people in this room right here, right now, that are having those same conversations. And those conversations would extend to the car and maybe even tonight when they're in their bed, just, just the two of them, just you and that person, God. It would be honest conversations about how to walk with you, how to take a next step with you. God, thank you for your promises. 
Thank you for this promise that you wash away our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.